Hello, film friends, friends of film, and everyone in between. Welcome to the Film Folklore Podcast. I am Jed Props, and I am joined today by Zoe Props. Hello. And the wonderful and talented Justin Sound. Hello. Uh, Joe is uh, still MIA. I heard a rumor that he was doing the Iditarod dog sledding with uh, some guy named Jerry Mander. <laughs> so bad. Zoe, do you know where Chris is? Chris is going to see Barbenheimer, but he doesn't realize that uh, it's, it's, not, it's not out anymore. It's also <laughs> or not, maybe it is. It's also not one movie. Well, doesn't know that so he's just going to every movie theater uh just looking fifth, for it's looking fifth for times <laughs> yeah yeah so that's where that's unless where, it's that's like where he's at he's on the hunt for barb and heimer he's actually watching something called barb and heimer yes and uh it's a about an elderly couple that um bought a fish yeah <laughs> <laughs> why not and he's loving it and he is loving it bada papa well, and you know, take, we'll take McDonald's money. <laughs> um, so, uh, if I asked y'all on this podcast, who is our favorite Target department that we like to rib, if uh, if you will, uh, who would you guess? Mm-mm. Camera, camera. Oh yeah, one hundred percent camera. And that is who we have coming in today. Um, we're excited to have a first assistant camera rep with us, um, who is also our first camera guest. And um, he's going to, he's been tasked with breaking down the the roles in the camera department and obviously talking about his role and everything. So it, it, uh, it's an arduous task to ask anyone to break down the entire department. So thanks again to him for doing that. But before we get into it, why is it that... Uh, you think the camera department is most likely to give us the eye roll? We are getting snippy back with them. Why do I think that? I don't know. They don't like being told. <laughs> they don't like being told no from lessers. <laughs> yeah, you know, one thing we we They're like we know you get paid less than us. <laughs> yeah, we we didn't go into it really but you know another thing is uh and this is kind of a a prop specific but i'm sure other departments can weigh into similar things they are the most notorious for touching other people's stuff and yet we don't go around touching the cameras and for everyone listening if you're not in the industry you know we have union lines between our craft positions and so it's it's more or less a respect line you know it's Mm -hmm. it's not that you can't do something but it's sort of like a vampire entering a house you have to get permission first and so if i wanted to um actually um this kind of popped up yesterday um justin and i were on the same project together and um uh, there was a uh, one of the sound carts was struggling to get through uh pea gravel another pea gravel mention um and i was sitting in a nearby table oh did you yeah I didn't, I missed that part. That sucks. Um, But, you know, seeing whenever you see that, we can, of course, jump in and help because that's an obvious, you know, extra hands help. And this is how we're all brothers and sisters in the same, you know, universe. But separately, if, um, if maybe we're with an actor, actress, and they just take off maybe their uh, mic or something like that, and then suddenly we're holding it, 
and it's like, but we're not sound, but you know, actors are whatever. So, you know, you'll find yourself going to the sound department and then you find yourself also going, just to be clear, they took this off and handed it to me. Yep. I just want you to know I'm not intentionally taking these things off. Um, but you, you kind of do that because you, you don't want people to think you're, you know, doing something like that. Yeah, I, I always kind of see our carts as kind of our, uh, I don't know, our, our bedrooms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Everyone's got their bedroom and we're all roommates and you don't just barge in and touch everything. Like that's kind of how I see it. You don't know what is, what's important on that cart or it's very obvious what's important. Yeah, for sure. And everything costs money and, uh, you, know, you know, you rummage through someone's underwear drawer. It's rude. You know, camera camera often has a chip on their shoulder, right? Um, there's a lot of nice people in camera. Absolutely. We should be very clear about that. Absolutely. For as many people that can be on the douchey side, which are usually cinematographers, as we've said, but at the same time, there are nice, wonderful cinematographers. Um, but there's all these like stereotypes, you know, it's like saying all prop people are alcoholics. That's not a hundred percent true, but it's, you know, only mostly oh, true. Yeah, um, so I'm drinking right now. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's Sunday. Yeah. Uh, that's the double fisting day. Mm -hmm. But um, so, yeah, uh, uh, you know, it, it's, it's the bad, I don't want to call them bad seeds, but it's bad breeding bad, right? Like yeah. you're learning it from it trickles down exactly it's the old drug psa of the of the dad going you know where'd you learn to do this and the kid's like i learned it from watching you you know it's it's kind of that um uh except not as hilarious but it's just certain mentalities that the show i'm on right now um there's an ac that is he was brought out by that particular dp and so they both traveled in uh, to do this and He's nice enough, but you can also tell he's very much, uh, you know, he, he's he's sort of the the muscle backing up the DP on everything. And so you come with something politely, but it, you can tell there's an edge in the tone, you know, and how they're talking and stuff like that. And so you just recognize it. And I think now you just kind of know not to poke that bear because it doesn't end well. And, and I guess I mean, I don't know, like it doesn't end well in the sense that it just creates animosity. Yeah, yeah, it's not worth it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't want to say in the sense of like somebody's, you know, something bad's happening to someone. It's just it, it's bad atmosphere. Mm -hmm. Say yeah. it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't get to argue in no mores. You know. Yeah, just fine. Yeah, here. the one thing that even even nice DPs. One thing I I, I will say if you all agree with this, they have such an amazing ability to be in your way as a crew member, like you're in between setups you're in between takes the crew's moving around maybe you're in a house and there's only one hallway mm -hmm. that's exactly where that cinematographer is standing in the way yep. in that one hallway it's like they can't you know, help it <laughs> it is because i think it's funny you know the the jokes that uh ad's assistant directors are, are always in the doorway they're in the doorway <laughs> right. but i'm like well what about the dp over here he's yeah. completely in the way he's in the middle of everything just eating a sandwich <laughs> yeah i mean it, um, I, you and I have worked with a, a particular DA that doesn't even like to make eye contact with you if you're too far down the totem pole. Um, he talks maybe in your general direction. Um, um, <laughs> Zoe I'm just, just gave <laughs> sign language to me. <laughs> uh, here, here you go, Zoe, if you can see what I'm reading. <laughs> oh, I don't remember that. <laughs> uh, well, 
This is the show we met on. There's your hint. Uh, dresses in all black, too, in a weird way. Like, not in a Johnny Cash way, but in a... I don't even know what to call it. I mean, he actually looks like he's a coffin maker. Like, <laughs> that's, that's actually what I think he dresses like if I had to define it. Um, they love their thinking caps. Oh, my God. Big old hat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, he's definitely... Uh, and, and as uh, Zoe has told us, uh, you have haberdashery experience, so mm-hmm. you know hats. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, uh, sombrero, right? Yeah, yes. <laughs> you sold mostly sombreros, as we recall. I'm wearing one right now. <laughs> <laughs> I know it, it's so oversized and novelty that you yeah. keep hitting Justin in the head with yeah. it. Well, get out of the way. Um, we'll space out more. <laughs> this is how Zoe keeps uh, distance you, from people. Yeah. yeah. When I say arms length, I mean hats length. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> We are excited to have uh, our camera guest today, uh, our inaugural camera guest, and um, Peter Camera. Thank you so much for coming, and thank you for giving us uh, kind of an insight breakdown to the camera department because we know that's difficult. So, without further ado, let's welcome Peter Camera. Peter, welcome. Welcome, Peter. Hi, Peter. Hi, Peter. Thank you so much for coming. Hey, Jed, Zoe, um, Good to see you all. So you are a first AC, and uh, that's an assistant camera. And uh, before we get into that, I wanted to ask you a little bit about growing up uh, as far as did you grow up kind of a film buff? Were you, um, were you kind of like a, a cinephile or anything like that that kind of already had the interest heading in this direction? I guess I was never dissuaded from it in a way, yeah. I can remember going to movies frequently. My parents took me to uh, 2001. Oh, wow. 1969 at a drive-in. Saw it at the drive-in. At a drive-in. Yeah. Oh, my, my God. sister fell asleep in the way back because she's two years younger. I dug it. I totally <laughs> dug it. My mom, my mom made sure I saw some of the more offbeat stuff. And then things happened later on in my teenage life that kind of really solidified it, which was... Uh, after my parents divorced, my mom returned to school at UT for her master's in RTV film. And I was in junior high and high school at this point. And every day for a while there, I would go over there and hang out and I would chip in and and uh, help paint sets, move stuff around, do that kind of thing. Every once in a while, I end up, That's cool. end up in one doing something or other in a student project and then uh, at the same time my mom was taking courses and they watch a lot of movies they so I got exposed to the classics and mm-hmm. the silence and um, and then then off aside from that she made sure I saw you know some of the offbeat stuff <laughs> oddly enough like like Rocky Horror Picture Show <laughs> right. that's a good fantastic one. Yeah. planet which is a big French anime mm. made in like 72 six or somewhere around in there which just exposed me to a lot of different my mom never my mom never filtered anything from me like she let me go see kentucky fried movie got got a friend of hers to get me in and go see it that's a fantastic i was like 16 or something and they he took me to see it do you know that movie sorry That's definitely up your alley. It's a Zucker, Zucker, Abrams. Yeah, the the Zucker brothers and Abrams that did Airplane, Naked Gun, like those slapstick. They, they, okay. They were so good at slapstick, they killed their own genre. 
Like, <laughs> I mean, that's you can't. It's almost impossible to make a good slapstick because they just nailed it so well. Yeah, they're up here. Yeah, they nobody else will come close. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Kentucky Fried Movie was their very first film, which is sort of um, it's almost like it's like sketch shorts. You yeah, kind of describe it that way. And um, Airplane was originally meant to be in the same design. I don't know if you knew that or not. No. Um, and they were shopping around a script where the airplane thing was only part of the script and it was still like these vignettes or sketches. And I can't remember if they were at, I think they were at Paramount, but the executive that was talking to him, they're like, why don't you just make the airplane bit the whole movie? And in the interviews, they said the light bulb went off and it's like, oh, it never occurred to us. We could just make a feature with (laughs) one thing. And so they had to buy the rights to zero hour, which uh, if you've never seen Zero Hour, that is the movie that Airplane is based off of. Zero Hour is a 1950s uh, disaster movie, and they bought the rights. So by doing that, a lot of the dialogue in Airplane isn't even a rewrite. It's a direct copy and paste, and all they did was turn it on its head and turn it into an absurd slapstick. The visuals with mm. their yeah. body action and whatnot. And I so highly recommend watching Zero Hour and Airplane, either order, back to back. It's quite an experience. That's eye-opening because I always thought it was based on airport loose. Oh, right. They did definitely take some elements from airport. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sidestepping there just because I, I love slapstick. Um, in fact, Zoe and I were talking earlier, <laughs> earlier today saying like if we could just give us a good slapstick like that's <laughs> that's what we want to work on i mean those are prop fun movies you know they're I bet. there's so much silliness that you know the camera work i mean anything technical is still silly in that world you just get stuff like that it's it's just a more dynamically interesting thing to work on mm-hmm. and it's hard to be upset on a comedy in general because you want to have a happy atmosphere so anyone smart and savvy enough listen please producers um you really want to make your crew happy because you, that's helping set that atmosphere right um uh, and daddy's home the uh, energy yeah, yeah. They, they were very focused on that on daddy's home and I, it was a great work experience as a result i mean unfortunately the movie was kind of mediocre just you know what they cut at the end and left a lot on the cutting room floor so to speak but but the experience was great i mean like I got called for, didn't do it. It was a uh, Jeff who lives at home. I think is the name of. It. Oh yeah, that's uh, the Duplessis brothers. And uh, I, from just there, when they called me in the interviews and whatnot, it was just sounded like it was gonna be a good energy. And sure enough, you know, Penny did it. Some great, great people. Shout out Penny. Another first AC, uh, which I can remember the exact crowd. I'm sure Grayson was there. You know, some really fun people were on it and it just sounded like a really good time and it was from mm-hmm. all reports nothing but a good time so that you're right that is right they can they can be that way so yeah that's what got me started and that that also that exposure well university of texas all that got me into the business eventually and just started thinking about she would bring home <laughs> these remote what i say remote uh, you know portable cameras Mm-hmm. quote unquote the big old hose that goes to the tape deck and yeah. you know shooting one inch and i'd she just bring it home for me as black and white cameras and i play with them and do little vignettes with friends out in the you know around the neighborhood and and it just slowly evolved and got into it and and what got you into camera specifically there's a good story yeah uh <laughs> you got a little while uh yep i went to, my attended school uh 
university, eventually I got to Stephen F. Austin State University in Nacogdoches, Texas. And I had heard through the grapevine and while I was failing at University of Houston that this little school had a fledgling film degree that was sounded like something more like I wanted to be in. So I took a flyer and I just applied, uh, got my grade point up at another school and then and applied at Stephen F. and got in. The guy that ran the film department was a guy named uh, Bill R. Scott. And he was amazing. It was a one-man band. He ran this whole thing. He ran the undergraduate program and a graduate program. And the undergraduate was more like a vocational. I, sorry, Bill, but it was. <laughs> it, he taught us how to work with each other on set. It was all the focus was about was how to make a how to be a crew and how to work within that unit and play your part, do what you're told. What we would do every week is people would submit scripts and then the class would vote on those scripts. And then the one that was elected to be produced, that person would become at their discretion, either the producer or the director. And then they would hire the next person down, then the director would hire, would assign a DP, and then the DP. So R. Scott made it work just like it does in the industry. He got mm -hmm. very used to it. And, and this happened once a week, every week. We had an on-campus dark room at, that processed uh, black and white reversal film, 16 millimeter. And every week you get 400 feet of film. So you got 10 minutes of film to be cut into a probably a three or four minutes, so like three to one editing. Anyway, so what that did is it taught you how to do your job as best you could in order to get repeat calls if you liked your job. Or you would just bounce around and you'd find your place. Well, R. Scott also did another thing back then. He does summer programs, and now he just does features. Like, they'll do a feature every summer, and somebody will come in from the professional film. Like, an alumnus will come in and be a mentor and kind of help them with this feature. The last summer I was at school, he did commercials. And what we did was we made a, we formed a production company, sold commercials. The producers, there were like an executive producers, which were, I think, the uh, graduate students. And they sold our services to vendors in the area. And we actually produced no, okay. commercials that went on the air to the locals. So I had like five or six commercials, I think it was five on, my re on a reel by the time I graduated of commercials that were actually produced. So that's I pretty solid the, coming out of college. Yeah, I took that to Dallas. I mean, R. Scott was amazing, an amazing guy. And, uh, or still is, um, I hope. Uh, <laughs> and then, so I took that, but I went to Dallas and I knew it was a bigger pond and a small fish and coming from East Texas. So I stepped back and did Grip Electric. And something I found out about being a participant in the art side, the more the vision of it. You have a way of doing things, especially at the, at, in the way that I was working. I wasn't just plugging in things. I was actually lighting, being the lighting side of the DP, whereas the DP was pretty much a cameraman. So I've just found out that I didn't like working with a lot of gaffer. I didn't jibe with them. I was like really only one or two. It was one specifically that I really enjoyed and got along. We really clicked, but I wasn't working with them all the time felt a little bit dissatisfied 
mm. with the Grip Electric. But I got to do so much, and I, I learned. I got to meet a lot of people and work with the DPs in the area, in the Dallas area, and whatnot. So. Our guy gets a call, says, it, it seems like when you're younger, everything just like stretches way out. This <laughs> feels like years. Right. But I couldn't have been more than like six or eight months after I graduated. Oh, wow. He got a call from a DP who was opening a rental house in Dallas. And the one name he gave him, like he wanted somebody who could, who was technically apt, who could be a camera technician for him. And our Scott gave him my name. I was, I was floored. I'm, the most amazing thing that ever, I mean, anybody could have done for me, especially at that point in my life. And just, uh, and so that's where the road down, and this guy was ASC, he was a, D, a DP, he had been a DP for 30 something years and oh, long uh, time. We should say- uh, Director of photography. Director of photography, Sorry. which is the same as a cinematographer. Yes. Um, and then ASC- um, American Society of Cinematographers. There we go. And he was a he was a television guy. He was uh, primarily he did some features. Um, so he was an Emmy Award winner, all that, and uh, had a few skins on the wall. And but the rental house, I went in and started working for him. I, at first, for nothing, just learning it. I would just go in and tear down a camera and rebuild it over the course of a couple of days, learned how to work all the equipment, learned all the specs. If I ran into a, a roadblock, it was a Wolfgang in New York and there was a Wolfgang on the West Coast and between <laughs> the two, they were kind of my remote mentors and they would talk me through issues and That's help cool. me out. They were great, yeah. Uh, Did you ever have to, like a boot camp situation where there's someone with a stopwatch timing you, but it's not a rifle, it's a camera? No, <laughs> <laughs> I, I had very, I was surrounded by some very, supportive people i was very fortunate that and, is and very fortunate both my employers and uh people who you know paid me to be there and the people that needed me to be there both were really great and in that circumstance i couldn't have been any more fortunate and so came out of that unscarred and then what happened was i the rental house eventually moved to houston because of Houston Studios was opening up at the time, thought this would be the thing to do. But there's a company called Texcam that pretty much owns Houston as far as rent film, you know, camera rentals. And so there was a lot of uh, animosity. There was a lot of uh, competition and business didn't go well. And so the house had to close. Oh, that's unfortunate. And it's also capitalism. But, <laughs> but by that point, by the time it was, time to close I was itching to get back on set I really enjoyed working on set so I wasn't crying too much they were kind of upset but and especially to tell me I remember the conversation one of my bosses one of the partners like in tears and I'm like okay <laughs> it's like <laughs> I'm ready and I knew exactly what to do because I knew I was going to go back to Dallas I knew all the DPs from my electric work and mm -hmm. I was like doom 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 and I'm you know whether they remembered me uh, specifically, they might remember my name and like something would click. And sure enough, I hit the ground in, in Dallas and started working. And that was that. And That's so cool when when you, you kind of just know. You yeah. Know, like um, I mean, for me, it was the first time I, I did anything in the art department or related to the art department. I was like, oh, I think this is the direction I want to go. You know, I had only been a I set mean. PA at the time. So getting a taste of something else. And maybe, who knows, like 
maybe it's like if my first experience was grip maybe i'd be you know gripping it now i don't know how if if it's the exposure or if it's just your natural you know gravitation but uh yeah it's really cool when you have that because it's like the first time you get a kind of a clear idea of i think i know the path i want to take as a career and then it's a very satisfying feel it's important i i I think it happens to everybody eventually i'd like to think somebody finds something that drives them in more than just a monetary way Mm -hmm. that tickles a little pleasure center in your brain I, i mean lighting did but camera it was kind of weird I, I remember the first time i even considered it, it was a guy i know of the assistant's name who who now is a dp a director of photography in in atlanta and uh, i looked over and we were doing a beer of pat's blue ribbon <laughs> and we were doing the award-winning pat's blue ribbon yeah <laughs> we were doing a, a a commercial a beer commercial and i remember looking over it there was a camera on a hat on the bar or something and he's standing by and I'm like I want to be that guy. <laughs> and like, and sure enough, that's, that's that was the first inkling. And then the phone call came, and it was like, oh, the universe was listening, I guess. And that's so cool. <laughs> well, can you speak a little bit to cameras? There's not a lot of mystery as far as, like, the camera department. Um, I mean, I think y'all have one of the more, like, the layman knows what camera does. You know, like, it's not, uh, some departments, I think, are, are a little bit more, uh, obscured because they're in the shadows, so to speak. Um, you know, like, uh, when Jimmy was here talking locations, I mean, well, yeah, very important department, but, uh, not a department that the average person on the street knows what they do. Right. But camera is camera. I mean, it's everything, <laughs> everything you're recording and watching on your TV or in a movie theater that was recorded. with. There's camera. a, <laughs> they see that. Yeah. That's exactly. the, uh, what I'd say that's the, the public side of it and the glamour, you know, everybody right. sees that, but they don't see all the hard work that gets so that, put into it. That's sure. kind of what we want you to speak to um, is uh, maybe if you can talk a little bit about what a first AC does and if you could also kind of maybe do a little bit of a department breakdown okay. uh, of who's who. I used to have like a really good blurb um, <laughs> about exactly what like a government description of my job. <laughs> right. um, okay, the first assistant uh, of a camera department coordinates the equipment and the personnel or oversees the coordination of the equipment and personnel and the upkeep of that equipment and the use of the personnel, for lack of a better word, direction of the personnel at the behest of the director of photography in order to serve the vision that the director of photography has for the film in order to make that happen. That's what the first does. That's as a whole. And then specifically from shot to shot, he or she moves the camera, places the camera, is responsible for the settings on the camera that are given to him by the director of photography. And then, and maybe if there's a zoom lens and they want it done remotely, sometimes the operator works a zoom, sometimes uh, the first assistant will make sure the lens is a, a zoom lens is at the right setting, at the right length, and the size is right, double check the, the depth of field and the, the the way they want to play the depth, which would be the focus, who's in focus, and then talk about who they want in focus, particularly from shot to shot. And that's what the first is responsible for. I mean, as I'll tell you what the second, and what's evolved really too, because that's what it was in film. You're responsible for lens settings, upkeep, and the maintenance of the camera and the film path and capturing the image and making sure the camera's placed right, make sure it's level or not level if that's what they want. And then during the shot, 
making sure the lens is at the right at the right settings during the shot like if they have a stop change and also pulling focus as people or the camera move through the scene you need to make sure the the items and or people that they want in focus are in focus at the proper times on the proper cues and in film you know you would discuss that you'd walk through it you'd rehearse it because the operator may be looking and maybe not maybe able to see focus and not and sometimes you just didn't find out till the next day or a couple days when you got your dailies back anyway so that's what the first does and then from top to bottom from director of photography down yeah the director of photography is there to realize the directors and or producers maybe even vision of what the film should look like what they want it to look like mood wise texture wise visually is it soft is it warm you know at 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 various stages in the film so he's responsible for the for the look as Mm -hmm. they say the look of the film which is evolving throughout because you want to you want to tell a story i I don't want to be too dogmatic but some people like to tell a story through the visuals and Mm -hmm. so that's what he is there to do or she is there to do is to to help the director and or producers realize their vision and then that director of photography in order to realize this he will hire the appropriate you know people that he or she knows uh operator camera operator camera assistants that they trust to realize their vision Mm -hmm. what they expect to have it look like and they are also dealing with the post houses and visual effects and a director of photography interacts with every department, essentially could interact with every department, um, you know, especially the first AD. Props is rare. Um, <laughs> unless unless there's something specific in the colors or yeah. whatever, uh, the color palette involved or whatever. Yeah. Sunglasses, actually, that's something that... That's a big one. Yeah, that or glasses in general. Yeah, because... Uh, reflection. They want the AR coding, the anti-reflection. Right. And... Uh, Nowadays, um, that AR coding comes in four. I think there's four now, because there's the uh, the newest one is I believe the gold. Um, mm. But uh, <laughs> there's basically there's essentially four color um, uh, glares. I don't know uh-huh. how to call it, but um, uh, but usually our only question is to the cinematographer: Do you have a preference? And these days, and maybe you could speak better to this uh, because it's probably digital related, but there seems to be less care than there used to be about which AR coding. Like usually, oh. they just say like anyone's fine, you know, and you'll go, oh, okay, well, that's easier for me. But every now and then you'll be on something where maybe it's lower budget, for example, and you'll say, okay, well, I can get these glasses, but I'm not going to have time to put an AR coating on it. And, or I can't afford an AR coating. Maybe it's that low budget, but, right. um, but the DP usually will, will just go like, oh, it's not a problem. And you're like, well, how is it suddenly not a problem? Like, mm, I, maybe they knew no tricks. Right, you know? right. Oh, there's polarizers, you know, a polarizing filter or, but that's an old trick. And then, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I'm surprised. I would think it'd be actually less forgiving. Right. Than you would film, think. Which um, in most cases it is. Yeah. The, uh, uh, what's the, um, I've, I've had the fortune of working with some foreign productions that have shot here. And what's interesting is you 
realize these DPs, like uh, there's a French Canadian movie that took place partially in New Orleans and all these Quebecois had come down and I was one of the only like locals on it and they traveled most of the people. And it was great because everyone's speaking French. And, oh, wow. And also heavy cigarette smoking, which is like, I mean, talk about a French stereotype, but like the DP with a cigarette sticking out of his mouth is looking into the lens and he's just going, c'est bon. <laughs> and then the director, you know, they're showing the director of the monitor, c'est bon. But that group, for example, didn't even use stand-ins, which is the people that usually when you're setting up the shots before you use the actors, you have these stand-in people right. that, that are your physical subjects for y'all to line up your shots and everything. They didn't use stand-ups. It was any available crew member. <laughs> and and then they're like, hey, you're not busy right now. Uh, why don't you go stand over there for us? And, you know, you go stand over. And they're like, and can you, can you squat a little bit? Because it's a girl and she's shorter. Um, you know, but, I mean, not even caring if your skin tone is similar, if your hair is similar. Normally, hmm. they try to cast stand-ins to be of a similar right. look to the actor. So when you experience those things, you go, so there's another way. <laughs> I didn't know there was another way. But maybe this is something you can speak to, and maybe it's just a guess, but is that just because we're so set in our system that we're used to doing things a certain way? Or is it that this other way is just compensating for maybe maybe it's lack of money or something like that? Could be both. Could be. Um, little column I, A, little column B. I... Um... I wouldn't know much, but my impression would be, or my first reaction would be, oh, I feel like I'm back in film school. But the, uh, <laughs> yeah. I think it is, it's part of the way our industry has, has evolved. Mm. And I don't think there's anything wrong with the way the Americans do it, especially since we kind of started it and yeah. turned it into the industry that it is. The French have a lot, and the Europeans in general, do a lot with a small crew um, and they get it done and, it's just the way they've evolved and the way they do things. This is me, right? Yes. Okay. How's, how's this? Is that good? Here we go. Here we go. Uh, okay. Uh, whenever, whenever I'm ready? Okay. Here we go. Uh, hey, everybody. It's Joe. I wanted to tell you about an awesome deal from SoundHard. Whether you are a film or television professional, a podcaster, content creator, musician, studio engineer, or even just a guy like me that doesn't know where to begin, SoundHard offers a wide range of equipment to handle any size production or budget with expert advice available from an experienced team that works in the field. And now SoundHard is offering new customers 25% off your first rental. Just enter promo code FILMFOLK25, that's F-I-L-M, F-O-L-K, two, five, no spaces. At checkout, terms apply. Go to soundhard.com for details. I'll, I'll finish the hierarchy thing. And yeah, yeah, I can sure. go over some stories of, yeah. of things. And there's one, I mean, I do have a, a French DP story. So oh, that's great. Specific. The, uh, so we got DP, operator. Now we're on to operator, yeah. which most operators would boil their, you know, their job down to pan tilt invoice, <laughs> but... I mean, the first thing I was taught was if you're an operator, the first question is, where's the coffee? Then when's lunch? And then when do we wrap? Um, those are the three main questions as an operator. But uh, And then make sure you say, thanks for a good day, and out. Um, the And walk away. The operators are responsible also for so much more because uh, framing mm -hmm. being one of them and what's in frame and what's not in frame. And people don't understand that there is an, there is an art to operating a camera 
and a skill, a talent level, like operating a, a tight camera on a close-up or on a sports, like following a ball through the air into a receiver's hand is just NFL operators are mm-hmm. just amazing. Any sport, really, just amazing, some of the work that they do. The operators are also the people who are who are most likely, if anyone has to fall on a sword or get thrown under a bus, I always feel like the operator is the one who is going to get canned or or something and that's have to take the blame yeah that's it is very a, unfortunate but i've seen it happen I, a couple of times and it, you're like i thought he was doing a fine job but it, you know that's the one of the reasons i never moved up um <laughs> yeah and i don't really I, a lot of security in the ac yeah uh, well it depends but i'll put it this way that was another reason to go into camera was the the black and white of it the it's in focus it's not in focus it's exposed or it's not exposed things are right or they're not that's right and there's no interpretation as mm-hmm. opposed to Things like operating, it's a much more subjective, uh, it's more subjected to subjectivity because you may not like my framing and my, I mean, and then the next guy might like my framing. Yes, it is. It's a minefield. Uh, and as you get closer to the art side of what we do, I think that's what you subject yourself to. And that's operators are definitely in that line of fire. And I think their jobs are, are like I said, boiled down to pan and tilt, but they're not. There's so much more to it. For sure. And they're, uh, like you said, the, I mean, the political side of it, the, the discussions about framing, the discussions about who, what they saw during the take. Right. Those subjective now, items you were talking about. Now everything's changed with monitors and everybody's seeing it at the same time. And you tend not to have those discussions as much. You, but as an operator, you're doing your job. So you're saving everybody else back behind you the trouble of coming up and fixing things and you're trying to work for the 10 people that are back there at Video Village mm. to make sure they have a frame that they like, you know, and the DP and the director and everybody else that might be watching and have the elements that they want. And and I think that's why operators, as you say, can be thrown under the bus or seem to get fired for no reason is that uh, they are. They're they're in the line of fire much more and more, and their job is open to interpretation by everybody, mm-hmm. as opposed to ACs, which you either are or aren't doing your job. So there's the operator in a nutshell. Uh, and handheld being so much more prevalent now. I mean, you've got to be ready to hold a camera. That's film cameras. Yeah, were heavier, but now they've the cameras may be lighter, but the lenses. The lenses have gotten, if anything, heavier. Yeah. Um, They're very bulky, awkward. Yeah. uh, And some of the cameras are not built ergonomically. Incredibly fragile looking. (laughs) (laughs) And very expensive. If you talk about lenses, very expensive. It's more expensive. What's in front of the camera now is more expensive than the camera itself. Um, And then, so then they're off. Everybody assumes they can carry this thing forever. (laughs) <laughs> and so you have people that keep rolling, keep rolling, reset, and then those guys are those operators are holding the camera for ten, fifteen. Sometimes I've even heard longer yep. on their shoulders. So I mean, there's more to it. You know, there's physical and mental, and there's the art. And, well, you mentioned in sports too; those operators are running around. I mean, they're some of them are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, yeah. that's the most physical I've ever seen operators is doing live sports. The, yeah, and uh, at least now and you know, concerts. Con- yeah, oh, concerts! Live, yeah, the energy involved is so great, though. I love live performance and sports both. And now you don't have to pull cable. That's another bonus. 
Not anymore. Not as much. No, yeah. there used to be cables. A, still get all of this that we're talking about used to be tethered, and uh, there used to be a follower that would uh, keep the uh, keep enough slack, Cue but keep it from yeah. And so as the operator moves around, there's a person following with a physical line that is constantly coiling and uncoiling this line back and forth. I mean, it always looks exhausting when you would see it. Um, but it's also kind of cool to watch the synchronicity of it mm-hmm. when, when, when they work really well together. So it, it is kind of a cool thing to see. The uh, the next would be skip over the first. Yeah, skip over the first. <laughs> I kind of explained that. So go back 15 minutes or whatever it was. <laughs> and uh, the second AC in my book is another assistant is the second assistant to the camera, not necessarily my assistant. Mm-hmm. I might refer to them as my assistant offhand, but if I'm watching myself, I don't intend for it to be that way. My feeling is that they are part of the team and they are assisting that camera as much as I am, if not more sometimes. And especially the way things have evolved today, I would say they're they're doing so much more. And, and to your point, um, uh, usually there's more than one camera. The cameras have an alphabetical assignment to them. You have I wouldn't a even camera. Get into that. <laughs> camera. Well, the reason I bring it up is because an operator, a first AC, a second AC, that's one team to one camera. Right. So if you have more than one camera, now you have a whole B company that's with that one. So there's a separate operator, separate first AC. Right. So. Um, I just wanted to point that out that uh, y'all are, this is what it takes to get one camera going. You know, it's like, it's not like you're working on two cameras simultaneously or anything, you know, that this is what it takes. And then as far as like coordinating, that's what I meant by coordinating the personnel and the equipment, the first AC and the second on the key camera, the key, I won't say the A first and the A, but the key first or the key second, because for years we were the B camera, we were Mm -hmm. the key B. So we ran the department, but we were the B camera right. because of the whatever the desires of the operators that wanted to be a be <laughs> the tenure involved in all that and right. some of the politics. So, and I just went with it. A and, lot of politics in camera, and that wasn't that wasn't anything I was really concerned about. I just wanted to do my job and. I didn't care if I was A, B, or Z. The um, this is why you work all the time too. Uh, Peter Peter has a very because I'm a meter. slut. <laughs> You're a camera <laughs> slut. Um, so uh, the second works as another assistant, and they over the years, <clears throat> because of digital and the way focus pulling has evolved. I'm rolling my eyes for right now. And everybody knows who knows me. I'm knows I'm rolling my eyes. The first have evolved into relying on the second to do so much more of their job to verify, to work directly with the camera, to to carry the camera, to bring the camera to set, to to place the camera into a build, and we rely on the what's the key the dolly grip or camera grip. I think is a more appropriate thing in, in, a, in a lot of, and especially the way things have evolved um, that we should probably go more with the British system and start calling them camera grips and maybe even have them in the camera department because, oh, yeah. because they're so much a part of, of putting the, placing the camera and making sure that the camera is where it needs to be at a certain point in the shot. So the camera grip or the grip has, that's been assigned to your camera 
is so much more a part of it. And it's not just holding the camera in between setups or anything. That's a, a cool thing you could speak to a little bit as well. We don't have to go into details about Steadicam or anything, but that same person you're talking about is literally behind the operator mm -hmm. um, as a safety net, essentially, right? I mean, like right. making sure and they don't trip, keeping them up, be, you know, upright. To an extent, yeah. uh, I'll go into that. Actually, we'll go into that. But let me finish with the second. Sure, sure. So the second now uh, places a lot, oftentimes brings the camera onto set. Uh, the first will help build it. And then, then they're the last person. The second now is under today's system, tends to be the last person who sees the settings on the camera, sees the lens. Um, and so they're doing all of that on top of marking the actors, coordinating with the script supervisor about the scene, filling out the slate, marking marking the scene with the slate, mm -hmm. filling out the camera reports, um, and all and all, as well if they're keying, then they're dealing with equipment issues and personnel issues in coordinating with the the loader and the ads and possibly this mm -hmm. is possibly. Um, it all depends on whose system you're in and what they're doing. But right. so they may be involved in all that. And they're, like I said, liaisoning with maybe the, even the director of photography about what filters they want. All that stuff goes through them these days. Um, uh, in some systems now I'll put, say this, that I'm more hands-on. I like to be. And so I, often have to arm wrestle seconds these days because they've been brought up in this other way in the last 10 years. <clears throat> and I'm still with the camera and I'm, I use a remote focus in the way that other people don't. I don't sit at a monitor and pull focus. I have a monitor on my focus unit and I'm there by the camera and I'm always seeing the settings and I'm always seeing the lens. So, and the, and relatively the camera in relation to the actor or the, object that's being focused on mm. i don't like to be to know it so i'm a little more hands-on and i relieve the second try to relieve the second a little bit more uh but most systems do not um so there's the second who's very hard at work on set now the next person in line is the loader now there is also the utility who will be running uh, technically is running and a lot of systems running cable, connecting monitors, running errands, you know, getting coffee, whatever. That's the coffee. It's the entry level uh, position for our department. And that's, they do a little bit of everything and they're learning who's doing what and where they want to go. Kind of, mm -hmm. yeah, this is the entry level. Uh, the loader, the loader is, to me, the most important person in the department. They're, uh, in my system, I give them credit for a whole lot, and there was, I put a lot on their shoulders. Yeah, um, that's a, that's a job that's had quite an evolution too, as mm -hmm. we've gone from film to digital. And even well, I'll start. I'll go back and talk about that and the, their evolution since the days of the studio. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, they're what they're doing is they're going. They're the coordinator for the department, and, and especially with V, they're going to be making all the phone calls. They're going to be liaisoning with the, the rental company. They're going, to be they're going to be calling all the day player, the people in for extra camera work. Mm -hmm. uh, if we had a camera, they're going to be calling for equipment. Uh, if anybody, especially in a multiple camera department, 
if anybody has an issue, a piece of equipment goes down, they go to the, the loader, they call the rental house, they get it replaced, they get it on the way, they check in the new one, they check out the old one, all the paperwork goes through them. All, that's, and we're not even down to loading yet. So, uh, and they're running the set to see, you know, if a snack comes out at Crafty, they, they know about it because they're off of set and they might know about it. And so, hey, just found out, you know, tuna sandwiches or whatever, pot roasted Crafty, you want some? That is also the whole crew's most excited part of the day, oftentimes. <laughs> What's the snack? What's the snack? <laughs> yeah. Uh, we all have figures to maintain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, so that that's become part of their routine. Um and then there's loading, which in digital, they still have the paperwork. They still have to do all the paperwork they had to do with film, uh, essentially, because they're still one of, before they were quantifying footage and, and so that they knew how much was being processed every night. And so that they knew what was being cost mm -hmm. and what to expect back and the next time right. versus, and, how much film we have left on the truck, all that. Well, now you have memory, you have exactly. gigs. And so, and those cost money. There's no such thing as over footage as much anymore. In right. That sense. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they charge by the gig for, pro, for process, for, by store, for storage, long-term storage, uh, processing, transmitting, all that stuff. Oh, so that's interesting. That's all, I'm not as aware of it because one I haven't loaded ever in the digital age, so I'm not quite as in touch. And then they're also in touch with Post about the workflow. Mm -hmm. uh, so when they hand off the media at the end of the night, which they've backed up on the truck, so they spend some time after work, just like a loader didn't film, doing the paperwork, downloading the, the, the cards from the cameras, getting the drives, handing them off, to a runner who takes them to the post uh, or the office. And then nowadays they go directly to a guy who does some prime, like a dailies guy who will do some primary coloring and as per what's set by the director of photography and post, make sure everything conforms and send it on to post. So it's transmitted uh, to them. Uh, so the, the loader's dealing with all these people uh, and what their needs are and finding out, you know, if there's any issues, they're the first ones. They're the ones that get called in the middle of the night first. From, from like an editor or someone. An editor, yeah. like, where's this? This is missing off this. It's on the camera report. Like, oh my God, the worst nightmare. So something didn't get off downloaded from a, from a card. That does sound terrible. Yeah. Uh, or it never recorded. Bum, bum, bum. So the loader's dealing with all that, and the phone calls in the middle of the night. The loader's, uh, it's their, in my, in my department, in my system, the, the truck is theirs from the time we leave it to the time we come back. And it, it's still theirs in the sense of put your equipment here, put your equipment here. Whatever works for them best mm -hmm. is what we should do because they're on the truck 10 out of 12 hours you know, or more, and we're only on the truck for 15 minutes in the morning and 15 minutes in the afternoon and maybe some at lunch. You know, our time is so so little compared to theirs. So mm -hmm. the truck is theirs, but they're at the same time, they're responsible for everything on it. 
so and they're dealing with personal equipment they're doing on the truck and their dp wants their favorite hat or whatever and so uh or a chair or whatever that's stored on a truck so uh or somebody's coat has gotten cold and so she he or she runs to the set with the the extra coats that they have stored on there or their rain jacket their rain suits or whatever so they're dealing with a lot they're dealing with everybody else on a, in the department <clears throat> and they're in my system they're doing a lot of what we would do on set especially in episodic uh just don't have the time to to call day players yeah uh crew up a second camera or a second unit even uh, that falls to the loader. So they learn. And what I would equate it to is uh, a best boy in electric or grip. Mm. And they are essentially that. They're essentially the second rank behind the the key. Mm-hmm. They're the DP's assistant. They're dealing with everybody. Um, and they're paid the lowest or the second lowest now because the utility has been added. Right. But and that came about because of the studio system. In the studio system, the loader would sit in a room with a bunch of other loaders and just have their hands in a bag all day long. Uh-huh. And the film would get, and they'd have runners that they paid. Uh, a position was film runner, and they you'd run the film from the set at the studio, from the stage over to the to the loading area, to the dark room or whatever. Uh, and they would download and reload the the mags there. So all you were doing all day long was download, reload, download, reload. That's why they placed the loader at that rung in the ladder when they should be up with the best boys. Yeah, that's that's what's happened. That sounds very plausible. Yeah, that's exactly what's <laughs> happened to the loader, and mm. it's unfortunate. But I I make sure that that they understand how appreciated they are and. I'm a really great loader is invaluable. It's just amazing. They can save my job. They can save everybody's job, make things a lot easier. Let's put it this way. They can make things a lot easier for them or not. There's definitely, I think every department has that person that that's that sort of unsung hero that has a, maybe a, a bigger lo- workload than maybe the department as a whole but they're also the, they are the keystone in that department. Mm-hmm. Exactly. There's the word. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, the keystone. And then, okay, then the utility, which kind of explained that it's just kind of an entry level position. And um, they're there. And we understand. I'd like to think most everybody will under, understands that this person is learning still. Yes. Uh, and oftentimes it doesn't happen. Actually, could, if you could, this is a, a good um, way to start wrapping up. But oh. Um, the- Oh, that's so sad. Uh, <laughs> well, we can have you back on more, Peter. <laughs> um, uh, there used to be a camera PA and then it sort of evolved into the camera utility, which is now a union covered right. uh, position. Um, do you know a little bit about what caused the switch or anything? Because it- the PA was the entry level. It um, was an ongoing. Was it just evolution. because it was non-union? I think. Well, two things. The digital age came along, right? And so we got the. At first, we got the digital utility, which is a different thing. Which is basically the DITs 
Yeah, I'm trying Assistant. to avoid that topic. <laughs> That's a whole other camera. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the digital imaging technology. Yes. I'll, technician. I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll get a DIT in here at some point. And um, yeah, that's... McCabe. I think, but what happened is that, that that position, they brought it, they established the digital utility and not the camera utility. So the digital utility, which made them see, oh, and then here's this guy who's running cable all around, but what happened was the DIT, he's the DIT's person, mm. or he or she is, they're the DIT's person. So I think some of the desire was to like, oh, well, we need something like that. We need somebody like that. And so it kind of evolved. And we had this PA person who's hanging around and and we're using them and we start having them string cable and whatnot. And meanwhile, the union's going, there's no such thing as a camera PA. We we don't allow those. And and we have- I was at, a camera PA. There's definitely was a camera PA. <laughs> <laughs> and at the same time, we had interns. We had interns that were- sanctioned by the union and then we had interns that were not but the union interns especially the in la it's a whole different system oh, you yeah. go through and you and you you get introduced that way um and you become kind of a kind of a dp's assistant as an intern usually is what would happen i mean i've been on shows where the, the camera intern was like responsible for like uh cataloging all the photos the set photos at the DP and the lighting oh, photos wow, that's at DP. Surprising. It was very much hand in hand with the DP. Huh. Um, so, I mean, and that's a different thing completely. Right. Uh, but the utility, I think that's how that came about was okay. that through the digital utility and the PA kind of meshed together and they established this entry level. Also, because of demand of the industry, we just started getting so much more work. And, and multiple camera shows, more and more multiple camera shows, so many more people were needed and we needed to bring them in and bring them up as quickly as possible. I think that's part of why the union did that. Oh, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's something that we, we've touched on it uh, in other episodes, but with the um, growth of streaming and then coming out of the pandemic shutdown, we saw a larger demand for content than we'd ever seen before, but also now there's more production entities existing than historically we've ever had. And mm-hmm. that's just your, you know, it's basic math. Um, and in dis- and, and dis- distribution entities because now it's streaming. So yes, you don't just have AMC theater or United or whatever you've got. You've got what Hulu, Amazon, yeah. Netflix and on top of the people, ones. please go to the movie theater still. Yes. Like we need you to go to the movie theaters. Yes. Um, because we get residuals from that, but we don't get residuals from streaming yet. Well, I just mean in the sense of film <laughs> to <laughs> that film too. to survive. That too. Uh, we need uh, bodies in movie seat, theater seats. Um, I was thinking more. But you, you, you are also economically. Correct. Yes, you are also. Um, but uh, yeah, the contractually. Um, it's it's also the experience of the movie theater. I mean, that's like uh, mm-hmm. you mentioned the drive-in earlier, and you know some places drive-ins have started to come back. But it's such a fun, unique experience. Like just in general, as a entertainment industry, please don't you know get rid of that. Right. Um, uh, almost everybody we've interviewed has had fond childhood memories usually with a parent going to see something epic mm-hmm. you know, like you like you had mentioned 2001 
And I think that's a common denominator we're starting to notice that we haven't even talked about you know, ourselves, but I'm sure we have similar things that that is such a groundbreaking thing. It's not that you, you end up in the entertainment industry, but it's just something that we all share as positive memories. Right. That, um, you know, quite I, probable that that meme mm-hmm. that I, I sent uh, to our, our uh, thread, the one that was like 1987 uh, is a is a movie marquee. Oh, yes. And it was it's heaven. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's heaven because it was um, Lost Boys, um, Full Metal Jacket. I think it was Predator, maybe. And what was the other one? That's amazing. I think that they were all out. It, it, it was just like four like legendary films all just at a movie theater at the same time. And so the meme just said, it's heaven. <laughs> I seem to remember that because I, I had a friend. I was probably the one that saw all of them. And I had a friend who like saw Full Metal Jacket like 15 times in a row. Oh, and like, really? And I, I saw it. I, I, it was interesting. I don't know. I mean, it's a good movie, but yeah. <laughs> it was interesting seeing it a second time and a third time, though. And the things you see, especially on the big screen, the things you see that you didn't see the first time. Yeah, it's one of those because it's. Yeah, I mean, that would be something uh, to get you back on another time, so we can have you know more fun talking about some of those cinematic, you know, specifics. Two thousand one alone. I mean, oh my god. And the French DP story. And the French DP story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> save save it for next time. Okay. Um, so, Peter, thank you so much for coming in. You bet. Thanks. You, Thanks for having me. You had to. You're our first camera person, so you had the uh, uh, unfortunate duty of uh, explaining camera. <laughs> yeah, I wish I had looked back over some of the stuff I wrote like ten years ago. Oh yeah, I had this pretty concise. Huh? <laughs> yeah, that was great. Um, and um, uh, one final thing before getting out. Um, uh, if if you were to um, talk to someone who is interested in uh, maybe getting into camera, curious about camera, what kind of advice would you impart to them? Don't no. Uh, <laughs> I would. I would. Run. How many times have we gotten that answer? <laughs> no, I, I would a, say a jar for that. <laughs> a lot of want to. You really have to want it. And I've told guy. I told guys. I told people that when they give me their number or they want, they call me about work and I tell them, I've told them over and over and, and they've, few of them believe me. I'm like, keep calling me, keep letting me know that you're available, keep showing me that you're interested because one day somebody's not gonna show up yeah. or I'm gonna need somebody and we're out of calls and I'm gonna need somebody and there'll be your name. Like, you just called me like two days ago or last week. Oh yeah, let's get old what's her name or what's his name mm-hmm. in and see what they can do. So I Very mean- Godfathery. Those <laughs> opportunities, yeah, but I'll get a call and then maybe I'll get another call and then it stops. Yeah, And I'm like, just keep calling. Uh, I said, when I started, I had like, here's tells my age, I had uh, index cards with phone number with people on them and I'd go through and I would spend a whole month I would call them up and then when I was at the back of the cards I'd go back to the front and oh, call them again and just like keep doing it and do it, and do it <laughs> yeah like a Rolodex <laughs> which <laughs> but uh, anyway so yeah don't give up if you want to be in the camera department be in the camera department and commit and call us and don't give up yeah. Camera, especially is a department that, I mean, obviously it's not just film industries in general, like people slip through the cracks as far as like 
people that shouldn't be going up a ladder go up a ladder. It, it happens. We all complain about it and everything. But camera especially is one of those departments that talent goes up that ladder better than anything because you, you if you're good at a position in camera, you will be working all the time. You, you, you know, good people are so desperately needed because of the technical aspect of it. So um, it's, it's hard to be, I guess what I'm saying is it's hard to BS your way through it. You know, like, yes, mm-hmm. you can, you can BS your the way technical props. side of it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like we, we can definitely have met prop masters that are hacks. They're just really good at the gift of gab. And, mm-hmm. and so you can totally fake it, you know, and maybe until you, you make it, or maybe you just stay a hack, but uh, camera is not one of those departments you can do it sound as well. Like it's that technical thing. It works in your favor, mm-hmm. um, you know. So uh, I'm. I guess what I'm saying is I'm jealous. <laughs> That's really, what I'm getting at. Well, Peter, thank you so much, and um, thank you for coming by. Thank you for taking time with us. Thank you. And uh, yeah, we want to have you back on. So hopefully, we'll see you soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Peter. Thank you, thank Peter. You. Thank, thank you, Peter. Good day. All right. Wow. That was cool. Uh, uh, thanks, Peter, for coming by. Um, that was very informative. And um, I don't know about you guys. I feel like I still learned something about camera, even when you think you know everything about camera, right? Yeah, I was, um, I, I, I kind of needed that. Like, I know what everyone does, but also I kind of don't. Uh, the difference between the first AC and the second AC, I never, uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't really know. Mm-hmm. exactly oh yeah like the uh, roles yeah 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 i'm like okay yeah. we we didn't uh we did we kind of just like barely touched on it but i was saying you know cameras get alphabetical assignments and it's a camera b camera c camera and each group that goes with it only once have i ever seen this but um i worked on a japanese cell phone commercial and one direction the boy band was the um like uh, spokespeople, I guess, for it. Mm. Uh, Docomo, um, shout out to Docomo uh, phones that aren't used in the US. Um, but uh, we were kind of filming it as if it was like a, a live concert, even though it was all staged. Mm. Um, but uh, they went to G camera. I have never heard of going that far. I mean, yeah, it was crazy. And, but what was funny, it was a who's who, like the entire like New Orleans uh, camera <laughs> community was on this commercial simultaneously because it was on a weekend. It was only like a two or three day shoot. So even if you were working on a on a, sh- a regular show, you probably could have come in for that. And so it was crazy, all the people that you saw because you, uh, you're like, I will never see, I would have to go to like a camera retirement party for someone to see all these people together. Mm-hmm. Um, that was pretty uh, amazing. But as far as um, camera, you know, something else we didn't really uh, touch much on, but Justin, you can speak to this. Um, There's always um, the importance of camera as far as um, uh, one reason camera sometimes feels they have chips on their shoulders because there's that feeling of that they're the most important department, you know, Mm. and that's that's certainly something that that gets conveyed, you know, with some people, but, you know, for me, it's it, like what makes sound, for example, any less important than uh, camera? You know, mm. if it was a silent film, 
support. Yes, yes, support. Exactly. Um, but if it was a silent film, then you go like, yeah, camera's the most important. Sure, why not? Because you're in a limited you know, capacity. Here in modern filmmaking, every department is so integral to what we do, which is part mm-hmm. of what we're exploring on this podcast. But um, uh, there's so many times that, and, and Justin can speak more to this, but you'll hear someone say, camera needs another take. And then they'll say, okay, we'll do one more take. If sound says, oh, can we get another take for sound? It always, you can see like, like a different attitude in the in the mood or in the in the mm-hmm. voice of how people we got it why didn't they it will it'll just be this yeah. <sighs> all right one more for sound why wasn't that good for sound or why right you didn't ask that to the cinematographer yeah. no, i was yeah. out of focus the focus guy was not pulling it yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> the sound was out of focus <laughs> yeah it, I, could, I could hear him focusing That's yeah well, yeah, no, it's, I mean, I, yeah, I, th- I think it's a big, it's, I think it's more just, it's just a support thing, yeah. you know, um, we, uh, we just don't have as many eyes on our department, the sound department, um, you know, and we, our, our goal is to not be detected. Yeah. That's our goal on set. Whereas camera wants everybody to see everything that they're doing. Yes. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think that's kind of the trade off and, yeah. you know. But not everyone is terrible in camera. <laughs> no, <laughs> which no. we've yeah, which we, we, right. we keep proven uh, today. There, there are a lot of uh, kind. Oh yeah, uh, Peter, sweet people. Peter is one of the nicest people you will ever meet. Peter it, is a breath of fresh air. Oh yeah, I mean, in in general, he's a very nice human, but he's also possibly the nicest camera person I know. Yeah, yeah, we, uh, we, we and we, we know some very nice fun, camera people. But, yeah, you know, there yeah. there there's some uh, really thank you really for saying that, Zoe. Because and, and we all we all get along. We're yeah. all you know we're, we're all working together. To, it's just it's easy it's easy to make fun because yes. it's fun to make fun well it, it's that thing <laughs> it's that thing of of asking for it too in a way because it's like if, yeah, you, if yeah. you're going to be snarky and and you know like say for example props is almost always one of the most sarcastic departments it's like apathy and sarcasm makes up the the majority of the mood of a prop department that's my skill set on my resume yes apathy and sarcasm that's actually what got you in uh, yes. uh it was three adjectives to describe yourself mm-hmm. question and uh you said uh, uh, uh apathetic twice mm-hmm. and so it was like wow that is she's so apathetic yeah. she's she doesn't so, even she, care she, yeah she said it twice, twice. yeah hired <laughs> Um, here, you take the, the master job. <laughs> um, What's another word? What's another yeah. Apathetic again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, and when you're dealing with, uh, you know, going back to the DPs in the way thing, um, like you, you can be with a cart going, uh, you know, a lot of times we say points, you know, to, to make people aware that there are, are equipment coming and maybe it's coming behind you and so you need to you know you'll say on your back it's kind of similar to some restaurant terminology Mm -hmm. um and so you know here's a guy standing within you know you have to get through him basically to get your equipment where you need to go and you're pushing a cart maybe and you're going you're on points coming through you're like on your back i'm talking to you man with the coffee Okay, not turning around. That's yep. really annoying. Now I'm talking out loud to the guy that's not paying attention to me. Oh, there he is. Now he's looking. Oh, yeah. and he's just kind of rolling his eyes and now he's walking away. And you wonder why we have a problem with you. Okay, here we go. Yeah, yeah. Now we're moving. <laughs> you know, so 
I've just gotten to a point where I just don't care anymore. And it's like, you know, that guy can't fire me. I mean, he can go complain and maybe try to get me fired by someone who can fire me. But it's just that thing of like, it's a respect thing, you know? And when there's people that aren't showing respect, then why should you be giving respect in return? And so that's when uh, suddenly like, like my um, counter snarky comes out, Mm -hmm. you know? You're going to bring the snarky? All right, fine. Here, hold on. Let's go get our snarky gear on, and yep. now we'll have a snarky fight. Oh, I can snark. Yeah, I can snark. I can snark, buddy. Yeah, I can snark like a production yeah. office can snark. <laughs> those people are like the kings and queens of snarky. Mm-hmm. Hey, did a package come to the office? I don't know. What's it look like? I don't. It looks like a brown box. What do you want? I don't know. Like, don't <laughs> you guys read? Like? <laughs> hey, I uh, haven't gotten paid in about three or four weeks. Well, did you do paperwork? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Everything yeah. comes with such attitude, and they're yeah, normal yeah, questions yeah. you're asking. Yeah, it's always always very accusatory. Yeah. What did you do wrong? Oh my god, I can't wait to get some production office people in. <laughs> um, they, it's it's. I mean, and again, we're stereotyping. There's also perfectly fine lovely production no office. yeah every, everybody gets along we we all work very very long hours and we all uh we we tend to see the worst um of each other and that can sometimes uh you know color the way you always uh see that person or certain departments you know because it's you know it's a lot of time spending around people and if you're in a poopy mood you might be a little poopy now, or snarky. You bring up a good point too. <laughs> you know, we we see a lot of each other. You know? A lot of times we see our coworkers more than our families, yeah. and um, you start like reacting to each other in like an old married couple stereotype. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, like like family. You yeah yeah. yeah. So it's a lot of big. We're all, we're all most annoyed by by our parents. mostly in good fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's hard to spend a lot of time around yeah. someone and not be. We love you, camera. Yeah. Noble profession. Yeah, keep on. Keep on rolling. God yeah, damn. there we go. There we go. I missed it. Cut that. Edit Cut it that. out to where I sound cool. <laughs> <laughs> Put the smarter one in. Um, all right. Well, that said, um, uh, Zoe, why don't you close us out? Yes. Do you like what we're doing here? Do you have thoughts, comments, questions? Maybe you have an idea or suggestion for topics you want to hear about? Well, you can find us on the interwebs. You can email us at filmfolklorepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on the social medias, Instagram being Film Folklore Podcast. We have a Facebook group called Film Folklore, Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, at The Film Folk. And yeah, thanks for joining us today. Bye, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>